The text from today's scripture is from Luke 1, verses 39 through 57, which I will be reading from the message. Let us stand in body or in spirit and listen with anticipation and hope. Mary did not waste a minute. She got up and traveled to a town in Judea, in the hill country, straight to Zachariah's house, and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby in her womb leaped. She was filled with the Holy Spirit and sang out exuberantly, You are so blessed among women, and the babe in your womb is also blessed. And why am I so blessed that my mother of the Lord visits me? The moment the sound of her your ears greeted entered my ears, the babe in my womb skipped like a lamb for sheer joy. Blessed woman, who believed what God said, believed every word would come true. And Mary said, I am bursting with good news. I am dancing the song of my Savior God. God took one good look at me and looked at what happened. I am the most fortunate woman in the entire earth. What God has done for me will never be forgotten. The God, whose every name is holy, set apart from all others. His mercy flows wave after wave on those who are in awe before him. He has bared his arm and showered his strength and scattered the bluffing braggarts. He knocked the tyrants off their high horses, pulled the victims out of the mud. The starving poor sat down to a banquet. The callous rich were left out in the cold. He embraced his chosen child, Israel. He remembered the piled on the mercies, piled them high. It is exactly what he promised, beginning with Abraham and right up until now. Mary stayed with Elizabeth for three months and then went back to her own home. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Thank you, Calvin, for reading that. It's good to have you and, and the other college students back. Welcome back. We've missed you. We've missed you. Mary reminds us every Advent that there can be a better way. That life as we know it, the world as we see it, we can do better than this. Let me just read a few brief sections from what we refer to as the Magnificat, this wonderful, inspired song that Mary sings to us. She starts by singing from her soul. Have you ever sung from your soul? It's more than singing from your head. It's something much deeper. She says and sings, My soul magnifies the Lord. And my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. For God has looked with favor on the lowliness of God's servant. 
Surely from now on all generations will call me blessed for the mighty one has done great things for me. And holy is God's name. God's mercy is for all who fear him from generation to generation. God has shown strength from God's arm. God has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. God has brought down the powerful from their thrones and lifted up the lowly. God has filled the hungry with good things and sent the rich away empty. Now, she sang that while Jesus was in the womb. For those of you who have experienced pregnancy, do you remember singing to your unborn children? And with the hope and belief that they, even before being born, might hear music that would comfort them and enliven them and love them. And sometimes those songs that we sing to our little ones become part of their upbringing, part of their spirit. God bless whoever is in need in this town. I wonder if she sang this song to Jesus when he was a boy. I wonder if he heard these messages from Mary and it began to form his own theology, his own understanding of God. That's where we begin to receive a God image is usually from our parents. Listen to the similarities from this Magnificat that Mary sang. And let's just do a fast forward to Jesus' first sermon, which is also in Luke, two chapters later. He goes into the synagogue which raised him in the faith. He's handed the scroll of Isaiah, and he goes right to this particular chapter. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim release to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to let the oppressed go free, and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Do you hear the liberation? message from Mary's Magnificat and the liberation message that Jesus is preaching from Isaiah. There is a theme there that God wants to free us up. And God has a deep love for those who are going through vulnerability and weakness and fear and oppression. God has a special place in God's heart for those who are on the margins, 
of society, then and now. And for those of us who may be not feeling oppressed at all, it is not until we get in touch with our own poverty does the message of Jesus become good news. It is not until we get in touch with our own hunger, spiritual or otherwise, it is not until then that this becomes good news. The message that Mary shares in the Magnificat is really quite radical. And, and, and the word radical in Latin comes from the root word radix, which means root or foundation. The message of Mary becomes foundational in Jesus' life and becomes foundational in our lives when we let it. But I sense it remains one of those gifts to the church that remains unwrapped under the tree. Because if we really unwrapped it, the possibilities for change, the possibilities for transformation are endless. Dietrich Bonhoeffer, a faithful Lutheran pastor who knew that as a Christian, his allegiance was higher than his allegiance to any government, especially Hitler's government. And because he was a follower of Jesus, he found himself resisting Hitler and all of Hitler's supporters who wanted to rule by terror and threat and power and might. And Bonhoeffer knew that he had a higher calling, a higher allegiance, and that was to God the living God that he knew in Jesus. And so in Advent of 1933, seeing what was on the horizon, Bonhoeffer preached about Mary and the Magnificat. And this sermon got him into trouble and made him a marked man and even a hunted pastor. He preached, the song of Mary is the oldest Advent hymn. It is at once the most passionate, the wildest, one might even say the most revolutionary Advent hymn ever sung. This is not the gentle, tender, dreamy Mary whom we sometimes see in paintings this song has none of the sweet, nostalgic, or even playful tones of some of our Christmas carols. It is instead a hard, strong, inexorable song about the power of God and the powerlessness of humankind. Did you know that Mary's Magnificat in various seasons and in various countries has been banned 
by the governments of certain countries? Because even the political leaders know how powerful the Christian message can be and how threatening the Christian message can be. I've read recently that in certain periods of time, especially during Gandhi's time in India, the British-led government banned the Magnificat from being sung in church. In Pinochet's military regime in Argentina, in the 70s and 80s, not that long ago, in fact, a friend of mine in, an, in a congregation I once served, she was a faithful Methodist from Argentina, and she would tell me stories about how threatened the military junta was by the Christian message. Pinochet banned the Magnificat from being read and sung. How about that, Calvin? You could have been arrested just for reading the gospel. Me too, I'd be with you. In Guatemala in the 1980s, the Magnificat banned. The government said the church cannot sing or read Mary's Magnificat. The other radical from the root word radix, meaning root or foundation, the other radical nature of Mary and her song is that in the nativity story, it is the men who are silenced and the women who are given voice. And Mary's voice persists down through the ages. In the last few months, the staff parish relations committee and I have had some wonderful conversations about how important our clergy women have been in this church. Methodists started worshiping here in Chatham in 1756 and have been worshiping continuously ever since. Most of the pastors who have served this church, their pictures have been hanging on the wall in the Asbury Room, and the frames go all the way up to 1990. And they've been all men. And so the Staff Parish Relations Committee, and Dave Meyer in particular, thank you, Dave, I'm grateful for your work on assembling pictures of the clergy women who have served in this church since 1990. And all of the associate pastors who were not on the pictures that have been hanging there for decades, and so we will hang these in the Asbury Room, the new ones starting with Dale Forsman, one of our beloved associate pastors who served here from 1976 to 1996 when he died. Galen Goodwin, senior pastor. Kath Riddleberger, Kath Stone. Kathleen Stoltz. Clarissa South Holland, Paul Maliel,
Tanya Lynn Bennett, Francis Preston, Rich Knox, Jill Hubbard-Smith, Jean Arlia Erickson, and Alice Walsh. These good and faithful pastors, many of whom are clergy women, have inculcated Christian values in us over the years. They have shown us by their life and example that the church hasn't always gotten it right. For the church in some of your lifetimes has not allowed women to be ordained. And it wasn't until 1956 when Maud Jensen from the Madison United Methodist Church was the first clergywoman ordained in our denomination. For hundreds of years, we didn't get it. For hundreds of years, we didn't realize that God spoke through women just as much, if not more, as through men. Bless them. And Mary stands as our mother in the faith to say, here is a word from God. Friends, I hope you will join me in praying that this week will not be business as usual. That this week, especially this Christmas Eve, will not be like every other Christmas Eve. Please pray with me that God might do something in our lives that God might do something in our church, in our world, that has not been done before. I hope that you will join me in praying for the Christmas Eve services at 5 and at 8. That God would lead someone here that needs to hear something. You know, there are so many people out there who say, you know, I'm... I'm just not a churchgoer for various reasons, or I've been hurt by the church, or they're all hypocrites, or whatever it is. And yet, there's a loneliness out there. There's a despair out there, and I would presume in here too, that can only be fed by the love of the living God. And so I challenge you, to get out of your comfort zone and invite someone to church. I know some of you are saying, well, that's for somebody else. I really am not an evangelist. I really don't feel comfortable inviting someone to church. Friends, it's not about you. There's somebody in your circle of friends or family that is so lonely and despairing right now that they need something that they can't get anywhere else but from a relationship with the love and living God. So invite someone. Take the gutsy move of sharing one of the invitations that's on our church Facebook page and put it on your Facebook page and say, 
This is where I'm going to be on Christmas Eve. Come join me. There is a message that we may hear on Christmas Eve night that helps us get perspective, see a bigger picture, recognize our significant and insignificant place in God's big picture. And we might just hear a call from God that may give us purpose and meaning and hope. God has good gifts for us to unwrap this week. Very good gifts. May God bless us as we open the scriptures, the story that has been entrusted to us, and a renewed sense of what it may mean for each of us in this season of our lives. Amen.